Thanks, Ali. Can you introduce me every Sunday? That'd be fantastic. How are we all this morning? Good? Very good. Uh, well, a couple of things I'm going to preach in a second. We, we do just preach a little bit shorter and keep the service a bit shorter on days where we have the table. And I just want to reaffirm this about the table. If you didn't bring anything, please stay. Don't just rush off and think, I didn't bring anything, I can't stay, or I forgot it was on. It's not about that. It's about having an opportunity where we can look at each other face to face rather than just be staring at the back of someone's head for 30 minutes in church. So it's just, it's not about the food. And for someone that likes food, it's really hard for me to say that. But <laughs> it's not about how much food we have or what, who brought what. We stopped at Woolies on the way and grabbed a few things because we were heaps prepared. It's about just having a chance to connect and spend a little bit of time, even if you stay for 20 minutes. Just stay for 20 minutes and get to talk to someone and meet someone because that's the heart of the table. It's not about the food. It is about time to get to know one another in our busy worlds and just uh, take that little bit of time out. So that's what's on today, and I, I hope you can stay for it. If you do need to go, don't worry. I'll give you a death stare as you walk out the door. <laughs> now it's fine. I know that some people have things on. That's cool. Um, just one more thing, We're, we are voting next Saturday. Next Saturday is Sausage Sizzle Day at your local primary school day and uh, some of you will be voting, hopefully. And I, just, I always was told this about voting and I think it's one of the best bits of advice given. I don't think it's my space to say who to vote for and who not to vote for. Um, but I, I was told this, to always vote what's best for our, what I think is best for our country, our state or our local area, not what's best for me but to just try and put yourself into that place of what's best for us as a whole rather than what's best for my individual needs. So can I encourage you just to be prayerful about your vote and to uh, uh, be thankful that we have the freedom to vote, but just to do it with that sort of responsibility rather than what can I get out of this. Uh, I think it's just a great thing for when we vote. Okay, let's get into today's message. My message today is called Not There Yet. And it comes from this thought that if you're a parent, chances are you've heard these words that are on the screen. And let's all say them together. Are we there? No. Who said these words as a child? Who can remember saying these words as a child? Who's had these words said in their ear? Yes. Who enjoys hearing these words? No. Kids who enjoy saying them to their parents? Yes. You can remember probably saying this as a kid, and I'm sure that there's a whole range of responses to this one question. Some of those responses I cannot repeat in church this morning. Some of you are thinking right now what you will say next time your kid says that to you. But I was thinking about this question, are we there yet? Because I think this question tells us that we have a desire, all of us, to know where we are on our journey. We want to know where we're up to. What's our progress on this journey that we're on? And for some of us, it's, we've just left the driveway, mate. We've got five hours ahead. But we still have this desire. We want to know where we are. You know, these days, we didn't have this when we were kids, when I was a kid, but we have a thing called GPS. We have our maps. And our maps, we can type it in. Look, I even typed in Together Church, and that's where it took me, from Green Hills to Together Church, or Together Community Centre. It came up there. But our GPS will tell you this. It'll tell you where you are. It'll tell you how much further you have to go. It'll tell you how long it's going to take. Is there anyone else here, though, that when sees it and it says, okay, one hour, 32 minutes, and you're thinking, I reckon I can do one hour, 28. I reckon, even if I beat it by one minute, I reckon I can beat it. 
Is anyone else? Yeah, and it's just such a satisfying feeling when you pull into your destination, having beat what Google Maps thought you could do that time in. So I'm not alone in that. But it'll tell you how much further you have to go, how long it's going to take, and it'll also give you options on how to get there. It'll come up with similar options and say, this way will take you two minutes longer. This one's got an ETA, similar time of arrival. It's, it's all good. But it gives you a progress report. And it got me thinking, if only there was a GPS or a Google Maps for every aspect of our life. Who would like that? Who would hate that? It's fair enough. We want something, though. We have this desire, I think, as human beings. We want to know where we are on our journey. And some things are easy to measure. Google Maps, it's easy to measure. Go, okay, 12 minutes, you'll be there. All good. Some things are easy to measure. If you've got a a weight loss goal, 31st of December every year, people might go, all right, I'm going to lose some weight. And it's easy to measure because you can measure how heavy you are. You can measure, you can put a goal, this is what I want to be. And you can, at any stage, hop on a scale and you can discover where you are on that journey. You may not like what you see, but at least you can be told where you are in your progress. It's the same with saving money. We can go, I want to save $2,000 to go to Canada, Lucy Light. And we can be saving our money. And at any stage, we can look at our bank balance and go, okay, that's my goal. And this is where I am right now. Hopefully you're not in a negative like in that chart. That would be um, awkward and hard. But they're measurable. Not always easy to do, but at least easy to figure out very quickly where you're at in stuff. What about the, the stuff that's harder to track or harder to measure? What if you had a goal that said this, I want to be more patient with people. How do you measure that? I'll tell you how you measure that. You take three children and you go to a shopping center on a rainy Saturday. <laughs> and you drive around in the car park and you walk around there. And that will give you a very good indication of where you are at with being patient with people. Or you say, I want to love people more. I want to be more understanding. Those sort of things aren't easy to measure because you don't get a number or you, don't get, you can't hop on a scale and go, okay, yep, I'm 7 out of 10 in my patient scale. We don't get those in life. We're, just, we're sort of trying to figure out where we are along the way. You know, we can look at organizations. Organizations like a church, for example, will set values. Or your business might have some values. Or your school, you might even have some values for your home. And you say, this is what's important to us. But how do you gauge those values? How do you know how you're tracking in those values? You might have a value as a family that we respect and we love one another. How do you gauge that? Do you just gauge it on the last instance where people interacted and see what that was like? Paul Scanlon says this, that he says, our values are what you believe. It's what's important to you. It's like they're your target or your goal. But your culture is your actual behavior. That's how things really are. If you go back to the GPS analogy on the map, it's like the value is the destination, but your culture, your behavior is actually where you are right now, what it's like in the car right there. And it gives you a snapshot of of what things are like. Example for you. In this church, one of our values is freedom. We say we value freedom. It's one of our goals. It's important to us. But do we have a culture of freedom? Do you and I experience freedom as a people? Is it a reality for us? It probably depends who you talk to. Hopefully some of you would say yes. I, I, I would say that's a value of our church, that we, are, uh, we value freedom. The thing is, though, it's subjective. It's not easy to measure. It's not easy to track. It's not easy to put your finger on and go, that's exactly where we're at. The truth is, 
we are somewhere between what we want to be and where we were when we first stated that value. We stated that value two years ago, but we're somewhere on a journey. We're somewhere on a way of becoming that church. We're on the way there. We're becoming that church that God's called us to be. And in all of our lives, all of us, every one of us will be somewhere on a scale. Somewhere between where we were when we started and where we want to be. Where we, where, who we want to become. I don't know what it is for you, but we'll all have something. I want you to think of it, what it might be for you. What's something you're working on? What's a goal you're working towards? It could be something that you're doing. It could be who you're becoming. But the reality is all of us are somewhere along that scale of we're not quite there yet, but we're on that journey somewhere. And all of our lives we'll be able to think of something. In the Bible, there's a guy by the name of Paul. And he wrote a fair bit of the thing that we call the New Testament. And he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. And this letter is known now as the book of Philippians. And in this letter, Paul reflects on this very truth that is true for all of our lives. Because he too was on a journey. And he says this in Philippians 3, verses 10. We'll, we'll go there for a little while. He says this, I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his erection, his resurrection working in me. Yeah, I said the wrong word. I hoped you didn't notice it, but some of you did by look at the way you looked at each other. Let's keep moving. Verse 12. Some of you are going, what did he say? We're not going backwards. We're moving forward. Verse 12 says this. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. So Paul starts by saying his goal. He says, this is what I want to be. I want to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. And I want to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working within me. That's the goal. He states it clearly. He goes, that's who I want to be. I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy that knows God and fully experiences the power of his life at work in me. He states his goal. He sets his GPS and goes, that's where I'm going. But then he says this. He says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired that absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. In other words, he's saying, that's where I want to go. That's what I want to be. But I admit to you today, I'm not there yet. And none of us are there yet. All of us can say we're not there yet, but we're on our way to somewhere. We're on our way to becoming something. I'm not there, but I'm on my way. I wonder what it would be for you. What would be your thing that you could say, hey, I'm not there yet, but this is who I'm becoming. This is what I'm working on. This is my goal. This is my target. This is where I am headed. I want to speak to us this morning in the remaining 15, 20 minutes that I have, just some things from this letter that Paul writes for anyone here, anyone here who can say, I'm not there yet. I'm on my way, but I'm not there yet. Because I think Paul has some wisdom for all of us that are not there yet. He gives us some insight into how to address this situation. Let's read verses 12 to 13. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. But I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Just a couple of things. There's some, so much truth in there. But just a few things that just can speak into you. If you're one of those people that can say, hey, I'm not there yet either. First thing, point one, 
press on. Paul says, look, I'm not there yet, but I'm not going to stop either. He says in this, in this translation, he says, I run with passion. In other translations, he uses the words, I press on. In other words, I keep on moving. I keep on going. He has a determination in his spirit that he's going to keep moving towards the purpose that God has for his life. He has a press on mentality that says, I'm not stopping. I'm not quitting. I'm going to stay in this race. Do you know a press on attitude says that even if my steps are small and even if they are feeble and even if they seem insignificant, I'm going to keep taking steps towards what God has called me to. And even at times when I can't make that effort to make a step, you know what the very least I'm going to do? I'm going to stand firm and I'm not going to take a step back, but I'm going to hold my ground. And when the strength comes and when strength comes and when I've got that, then I'm going to take a step forward. That's a press on mentality that says, I'm not stepping back. You know, battles have been won and lost throughout history by whether an army can handle attack and hold its ground. Whether they can hold its ground under attack will determine the success or the failure of that army. And in our lives, if we have a press on mentality, it's that mentality that says, you know what? I'm not going back. No turning back. No backward steps. At the very least, I'm going to hold my ground. And with everything within me, I'm going to do my bit to just take steps forward towards the goal that I believe God is calling to me to be. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to keep moving towards that thing that God has called me. I don't think we can let the fact that we're not there yet stop us. You know, sometimes it takes longer than we thought it would. Sometimes we think, I thought I'd be further in this progress, or I thought I'd be further in this journey by now. But we can't allow those moments to stop us. We can't allow those moments to make us think, no, give up. Maybe we're doing the wrong thing. In fact, it's, I think it's those very moments, those very moments of doubt, those very moments of darkness, those very moments where we think, I'm never going to get there. They're usually, I find, the moments just before a breakthrough's coming, just before a breakthrough's coming. They, they talk about that when the Israelites walked around Jericho, and they walked around day after day, day after day. Imagine after six days, they thought, oh, that didn't work. Let's try something else. But it was like, no, go another day. Go another day. Just go another step. Paul says that he runs passionately towards it. He presses on. He keeps moving. I think in our lives, God is attracted to movement. I'm attracted to movement. I don't know about you, but people that have just got a determination in their spirit that no matter what happens, I'm going to keep moving forward. All of us, if we want to be people that get there eventually, we need to have just this resolve in our spirit that says, I will press on. Come what may, I will press on. The second thing I can say from this letter about pressing on and about not being there yet is this word discover. I love what Paul says. He says, I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. See, he knows that Jesus has a purpose for his life, for him to fulfill, just like Christ does for every one of us. We all have a purpose to fulfill. But he also says this amazing thing. He also says there is a purpose for him to discover. He doesn't fully know what it looks like. He wants to know Jesus more and experience his power in his life and the rest he's prepared to discover along the way. The journey that most of us are on is one of discovery. Just like Paul, discovering the purpose that God has for us. The challenge for you and I is to be okay with a little bit of the unknown is to be okay a little bit of the unknown, to be moving forward to something that we fully don't understand 
or we fully haven't got a grasp on what it's going to look like. So many times in the Bible you can see where men and women were called by God to do something and they're not given the full story. They're not given the GPS map of how long it's going to take and the options and all the different things. They're just told to move. They're just told to move. And they're told that as they go, they will discover their purpose along the way. You know, I grew up in a generation in church and youth where you were all told, we were told, you have a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. People wrote books called Purpose Driven Life, and they were great truths. But I think sometimes the, the harm of it can be, God, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? And we became purpose-obsessed rather than God-obsessed. And we became so, what's this big thing that you want me to do in my life? And I love this guy by the name of Bob Goff. He just has a great way of, um, of saying things. And he says this, What if we found out that God's big plan for our lives is that we wouldn't spend so much of our time trying to figure out a big plan for our lives? Perhaps he just wants us to love him and love each other. Wouldn't that be a simple thing to do? I'm not saying you don't have a purpose. I'm not saying God doesn't have a plan for your life. But I am saying that sometimes we can get so caught up in discovering what it is that we miss the very thing right in front of us. All of us have this purpose, to love God and to love other people. It's quite simple, really, when you come down to it. Because what it comes back to is this. God, do I trust you with my life? That if I do these things that are in front of me, if I love God, if I love other people, and I'm just faithful with what you've put in front of me, do I trust that you've got my purpose And you've got my destination. Do I trust you with the big stuff? It comes back down to discovering your purpose along the way. And not waiting at the starting box going, when my purpose revealed, then I'll take that step of faith. But going, no, I'm going to take the step. And my purpose, I believe, will be discovered as I move forward. Discovery. The third thing, strength. Paul lets his readers know that he's doing things These things, he's not doing them in his own strength, but he says, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. Pressing on and trusting God is not possible in your own strength. Earlier, Paul wrote these words. He wrote, I run with passion into his abundance. He knows that in God there is an abundance, but he knows that in Paul there is a limitation. And it's true for all of our lives. The strength and the abundance is not in my ability. It's not in your ability. It's not in your talents. It's in God's strength that he's able to do it. And he knows that in God there is an abundance and he pushes in to that abundance. He knows the only way this is going to work is if he does this in God's strength, relying on his strength. You know, one of the greatest things we can do is admit that we have weaknesses. Just admit them and go, yeah, I'm not that good in that area. In fact, I suck in that area. But still, I'm not going to let that sucking stop me from doing what I believe God has called me to do. Because it's in Him that we have our strength. Isaiah 40 says this, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weary, weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of His understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That is how we are called to live our life. Not having it all together, but simply being a people that go, you know what? I can't do this, but God can. 
And in his strength, I can move forward. In his strength, I can trust him. In his strength, I can move forward to an unknown future because I know that God has got it. It's not our own strength. It's his strength. The fourth thing, I'm moving quickly because there's food out there. Forget. There are some things that we should be good at forgetting. Birthdays and anniversaries are not one of those things. Phone numbers, pin cut. Who here, every, who hates that thing? Forgot your password, press this link. I spend so much of my life retracing passwords that I've set up. And you think, yes, just have the same one all the time or have it saved somewhere. But then that got lost and it was like I couldn't remember the password to open that. We forget things. But Paul was actually intentional in his forgetting. He was actually intentional about what he forgot. And he says this, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. His focus was not on the past. His focus was what on lied ahead, even if he didn't fully know what it would look like. I wrote this down because I think it's such a truth. Paul chose to focus on an unknown future rather than dwell on a known past. And I think too many times in life we go to what's known because there's comfort and there's security in what's known. And we stay in the past because the past is known rather than move to the future because we don't want to go dwell on the future because that's unknown. And we'd rather stay in the known rather than move into the unknown. And what it does is it keeps us in the past rather than stepping into the future God has for us. So I think we need to be get okay with a little bit of the unknown. One of the ways we get stuck in life is we stop progressing is that we dwell too much on the past rather than what on lies ahead. The past, you know, we learn from the past. We build on the past, but we cannot dwell on the past and we cannot settle in the past. I love what it says. It says, fix your heart on the future, on what God has planned for what lies ahead. We need to get good at forgetting if we're going to move on to the journey that God has called us to. The fifth and final thing, together. Paul finishes this section of his letter with these words in verse 16. He says, Let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion. Paul knew that he wasn't alone in this journey. Paul knew that he wasn't the only one that could say, I'm not there yet. He knew that there would be other people in his world and in fact in his church community that were on that same journey. And he knew that his pursuit of discovering God's purpose for his life was best done together. He had a community of believers that were with him on his journey. And he's writing to them and he's calling them, come on, we can do this together. And you and I have got that same call. We're not called to do this alone. We're not called to do this completely on our own, but we're actually called to do this together. We can say together, we're not there yet, but we are on our way. And we can encourage one another and we can advance one another and we can help one another journeying together. You know, the greatest uh, football team in the world is Liverpool Football Club in, in England. If you're a Manchester United supporter, you may as well leave this church right now. I'm sorry. No, just kidding. But Liverpool have this slogan, and it's everywhere. And they have YNWA, and it stands for You'll Never Walk Alone. And they sing this song at the games, and it's just a part of the mantra 
of the club. And I actually think it also should be the mantra of the church, of the mantra of you and I, that we will never walk alone, that we will always be people that walk together. And it's easy to come into a church and it's easy to sit in an environment like this and think, I don't feel like I've got people with me. I feel alone. And you can get very inward focused. And I would say to you this, if you're ever feeling that way, instead of be looking inward, start looking outward. And start going, I wonder who else might be feeling the same way. I wonder who else today at the table is feeling a bit anxious about whether someone will talk to them. Or whether anyone else is worried about what they're going to say to people about how they're going to interact. And have eyes and ears and see other people that might be feeling exactly the same way. Because you could be the very answer to their prayer. You could be the very answer to the thing that they need most. And that's someone to come alongside them and walk together. We're not called to do this alone. We're called to do this together. And the way we do it together is by taking our eyes off ourselves and put our eyes on other people. And we put ourselves in other people's shoes and we think, what's it like for them? I wonder what they're going through. I wonder what their week was like. And, and step out of our comfort zones because it is comfortable to, you know. The, the comfortable thing we can do is when church, when this service finishes in a few minutes, is to go out there and to look for people that we know people that we're happy talking with. Let's go talk about someone that I've got a connection with already. That's the easiest thing to do. Actually, the easiest thing is probably just bolt for the door. (laughs) But let's be a church that together is not just a name, but together is how we live our life. That we've got an eye and an ear for other people in our world that maybe, just maybe, we could be the person that comes alongside them and gives them that word of encouragement or even just a listening ear to say, you know what, you are not alone. And you'll never have to walk alone, but I am prepared to walk with you. My prayer is that our church would not just have together on its door, but would actually be who we are. It would not just be a value or a name, but it would be a culture. And it starts with you and I being prepared to step out of comfort zones and go, we're in this together. As we keep moving together to what God's called us to do. Our final verse today is found in an earlier part of Paul's letter. He says these great words, which are a great truth for all of us. Philippians 1.6 And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He will finish the work that he started. I'm very good at starting projects. But it takes something to finish them, doesn't it? The great thing, though, is that we have a God a God who loves us, and a God who is more committed to us than we will ever be committed to Him. A God that loves us more than we could ever love Him. A God who wants to complete what has been started in each of us. And He says He will never give up on us. He will never give up on His people. He won't give up on you, and He won't give up on the work that started within you. He will never abandon you. People may abandon you. People may let you down, but God promises that He will never leave you nor forsake you. And even if we give up, even if we throw the towel in, guess what? We can always pick that towel back up and we can always start again because he hasn't given up on you. He wants to complete and he wants to finish the very work that he started within you. Let's be a church. Let's be a people that go, yeah, we don't have it all together. We're not there yet. But guess what? We're on the way. And each week, each day, we'll be able to say, you know what? I'm further along my journey than I was last time. If I look at Mark at my life a year ago, I can say I'm further on the journey of becoming who God 
has called me to become or do what God has called me to do. Let's be a church that always has those things. What do we do? We press on. What was number two? Who was paying attention? Who wrote notes? Number two was? Discover. Discover. There it is on the screen. We press on. We discover. We go in his strength. We forget the past and we do this together. We can be a church that moves on to what God has called us to do. All right, I'm going to pray. If the music team want to come. God, we thank you. God, we we do give you praise and we do give you thanks. We thank you, God, that you are more committed to us than we could ever be committed to you. And God, you see every one of our lives. You see us exactly where we are. You know our progress and you know our true state of our hearts this morning. And God, I thank you that you are committed to completing what you started within us. I pray this morning that each of us would become a people that has just got a determination in our spirits that we're not there yet, but we are on our way. We are on our way. We are a people of progress. We are a people that move towards what you've called us to be and who you've called us to become. God, I pray for each person here today that you would give them just a renewed energy, a renewed insight, and a renewed uh, just injection into their spirit this morning to be a people that move forward to what you've called them to. We thank you, God, that you are with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And we do not do this journey alone. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you, God, for the opportunities each of us have this week to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your voice, to represent you to a world that so desperately needs it. God, we thank you for your presence. And we give you you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.